0: Welcome to Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast with Elizabeth Crawford, where I dish with trendsetters, tastemakers, and industry experts about everything from emerging trends to regulatory pressures to marketing strategies. Even though plant-based protein sales continued to slide in July, prompting some retailers to slim down and shift offerings from the more premium placement in the refrigerated section to the freezer aisle, Startup Tyndall Foods still sees significant opportunity in the segment, and it plans to seize that with a full lineup of cross-category launches. According to data released last week from Circana and crunched by 210 analytics, dollar sales of refrigerated and frozen plant-based meat alternatives in July fell 12.2% year over year to 81.6 million. With unit and volume sales falling even more to 13.9 million and 10 million, respectively, or the equivalent of 18.7% and 17.9%. Responding to slower velocities, some retailers are rethinking how many plant based protein products they stock and where. According to Circana data, retailers carried on average 12.6 frozen plant based protein items per store which was down 15.4% from a year ago. Despite this slowdown, food tech startup Tyndall Foods, formerly known as NextGen Foods, announced this month that it will expand its plant-based chicken offerings and into new categories as well as additional distribution channels, reinforcing its commitment to create a more sustainable food system. In this episode of Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast, Tyndall Foods CEO, Andre Menezes, explains why he is still bullish about alternative proteins, why continuing to refine offerings is vital for countering climate change, and how the company is growing despite mounting headwinds pushing back against the category overall. He also shares details on the company's upcoming new products, rebrand, and expanded R&D Center in Chicago to further support innovation. When Tyndall launched in 2020, plant-based protein sales were on the upswing, thanks in part to the pandemic encouraging consumers to try new foods and an influx of players coming into the category. But as Menezes explains, the category's upward trend wasn't the driving factor behind Tyndall's launch. Rather, he says he and his co founder, Timo Recker, started the company to help ease the food industry's environmental pressure at a time when the negative impacts of climate change were mounting and inescapable. This is also why he says he is confident in the long term growth potential of plant based meat.
1: One of the most challenging missions that uh, I think one company could try to, to do, which is basically to replace animal farming as our main source of protein production uh, for humanity. And this is very much the reason why we started the company. If you go back in 2020, when we were designing the business and the the very beginning of of our journey, Timo and I, uh, we had experience both in plant-based foods as well as in the meat industry. And we were already very aware of all the issues that we have in, with with animal farming be with public health resources uh, sustainability uh, even the ethical opposite ethics around creating and slaughtering animals um, the way we do today in fact 80 billion animals a year um, with that in mind but also recognizing how all of us have been raised and educated over centuries to really love meat to really love cheese and milk like those are the the, the the ingredients that we serve to, to to very special guests when we have them in our homes. Those those are the center of social um, occasions uh, occasions. And we, knowing that, we decided to recognize that the challenge and build a business that could deliver all the great things everyone loves about animal based foods, but taking the animal out of equation. That's the starting point of our journey. And since then, uh, that was April 2020, when we first started doing in stealth mode. Um, but then we launched in Singapore um, early 2021 and a few other small markets, like uh, for example, Dubai and Hong Kong, um, when our main objective was really to test the business model, to test the, recep- the reception of our product, our brand, our uh, financials, our unit economics across different markets with different groups of consumers. Because since the get-go, we were very aware that the challenge we're facing, climate change and and everything around animal farming, is not a local challenge. It's really a global issue. And we have decided to tackle on a global scale, which is very ambitious and very unusual. We tested in a few of those markets and uh, we're very happy with the results we're getting um, and decided then to scale it up.
0: For Tyndall, scaling up meant launching in the U.S. in 2022 with its malleable chicken made from plants, which requires 74% less land and 82% less water than poultry chicken and produces 88% fewer greenhouse gas emissions than its animal counterpart. Scaling up also meant working with chefs to introduce Americans to Tyndall's chicken at restaurants where it could be perfectly prepared before making the product available at retail and teaching consumers to cook it on their own. But in between the company's launch in 2020 and its introduction to the US, the tide for plant-based protein turned and the industry began to see sales, units, and volume slide. Investors pulled back and sometimes out and consumer concerns mount about the nutritional value, taste, and price of plant-based options. But Menezes says many of these challenges didn't impact Tyndall, and he characterized their impact for the overall industry as, quote, an adjustment, rather than the beginning of the end.
1: I think there are a few elements before landing exactly on the category. I think, first of all, uh, it is a still a very nascent category. That, despite the fact that it has received a few billions of investment over the last few years, we're dealing against an industry that has been investing trillions over decades. Um, so it's still very nascent. It's still very small. It's still very um, innovative, and seeking to disrupt not only an industry that's very efficient on the on uh, you know becoming as efficient as animal farming, which is inherently inefficient, can potentially be. So those are um, that, that trying to disrupt such an industry, which is, you know is, is delivering a product in a very unsustainable way, with all the concerns that everyone is very aware of, with public health, with um, individual health, um, and and also obviously with sustainability. Um, but the, ultimately, that a product that's loved by everyone. Disrupting this industry is extremely, extremely hard. It involves obviously the technology aspect, involves distribution, involves price. But most importantly, and we've been very clear about that since the beginning, it involves a cultural uh, societal change. Um, We need to recognize that when we're talking about uh, millions and hopefully billions of consumers changing their behavior, that's not an easy task. This is typically a challenge that's generational doesn't matter if you're talking about meat to plant based it doesn't matter if you're talking about horses to cars or um, you know phones to, to to cell phones or internet uh, those those paradigm shifts are very challenging by nature and they do not happen overnight the industry has evolved from basically nothing to being where it is right now with even the fact that it hasn't grown in the last 24 36 40, 48 months is enough to even get a cover story on a bloomberg right i think that tells a lot about the strength of an industry that was not even existent 10 years ago um but it indeed i think that there is a right now in the short term um, challenges that are related to what i mentioned about the the acceptance um, and the broader acceptance of of the products and um the societal change uh, on the long run, nothing has changed. Uh, in fact, the urgency is even more important. We're seeing wildfires in Canada and in Hawaii, water scarcity—you know, biggest portion of the of the of the Western U.S., uh, Australia, and Europe. You know, it's all over. It's in our in the hottest summer ever, um, the hottest day ever recorded on average. So those are things that just remind us that nothing has changed on the macro level, but we do recognize that in the short term, there is a challenge. From our point of view, um, that challenge relates to a few things. I think, first of all, um, the capital markets construction and the the reduction of the investment made in the sector to grow and educate obviously has an impact. That's number one. That's number two as well. Many consumers who got excited about the novelty factor and they just want to try for the first time they tried um, some of them really liked some of them did not but regardless the not not all of them have a self um, a reason inside their own minds and, and hearts to migrate out or reduce the amount of meat We got to remember that meat is highly aspirational still um, it, it is not that everyone is trying to necessarily dump or reduce the meat consumption yet we have not reached a level of concern about sustainability when ordering food or concern about animals except for a very small portion of the population to me that that move um, is what's causing this adjustment um, but nothing has changed structurally nothing has changed on the long run
0: tindle has been able to avoid many of the pitfalls of its predecessors by following a three prong strategy that begins with addressing consumers' basic desires for taste and texture, adopting an agnostic approach to ingredients, and strategically introducing its products to consumers first through restaurants and more recently at retail.
1: So it all starts for us by recognizing the fact that we're selling food. And if you look at any of any one of us, but broadly, obviously there are some minorities that will um, be more you know aware of sustainability or any concerns and there will be a, a niche group that will have different drivers or, or stronger drivers at times but majority of the population will buy food based on taste and texture experience and then obviously you know uh, nutritionals and ingredients and uh, sustainability and all those aspects that are very important uh, but those are only important and they will only be consider after taste and texture and experience are delivered so for us we always start with taste and texture and experience and that's regardless if we're talking about the chicken or gelato or milk for us it's always about the product performance being food being food that's non-negotiable we do take very good care of the selection of the ingredients that we do Uh, we do take very good care of Applying the best food technology to deliver on what consumers are really looking for. Um, we do not have a paradigm that we follow. For example, I need to use a certain ingredient A or B. Um, I, I don't want to name one ingredient or not, just to, not to sound like I'm, I'm, I'm um, against any approach, but we use the ingredient that delivers what ingredients or what consumers are looking for, from the clean label to the nutritional values, to the protein content, to the, the non-GMO, we start from what consumers really want. That's number one. Number two for us, it's very important that we make it clear that we're not asking people to eat tindo because it's more sustainable, because it's not made with animals or from animals. We're asking people to try tindo because it's delicious. Uh, we even, it's ridiculously good. Um, and ultimately, that's something that's very important for food. And when they try, they see which it actually is ridiculously good. And then we uh crack that perception as well. To connect with that communication and have the proof point that's true to it. Um we also started with restaurants. Um, and the reason why we started with restaurants and food services was just because um, the if you think about any chef, um, obviously there are there are some chefs there that would take some money to serve something that's true, but uh we were very careful to work with chefs that were not, not that we were hiring them to sell anything, but chefs were really excited about selling our product and serving our product and putting their name behind it uh, as clients. So, and that's a very important point. And the reason why that's so important is because they are extremely, extremely picky in their ingredient selection. I don't know any chef, uh, reputable chef, who would serve something uh, that they do not really stand behind. Uh, because their name is on the game and on the line, and consumers do value and realize that. So we started with restaurants because of that credibility that comes with it, and then number two, um, it doesn't it, excluding the home chefs and people who cook really well, but the general consumers when they're eating something at home, it's more about just convenience, put it on the air fryer, have that snack, have that bite, or just something quick. But for plant-based, given the um, the, the 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 paradigm that plant-based foods are have been tasteless for so long um, we wanted to make sure they could have a great experience and really uh, mark that moment therefore having on a restaurant with a great recipe with the social element of a restaurant because they're usually going friends and loved ones just the moment that it really becomes a memory those were the key elements for us to bring uh, our product into the market and that's true for anything we do um, that's you know uh, regardless if it's chicken if it's milk if it's if it's gelato, that's all the same, and that's the same approach that we take.
0: After working closely with restaurants over the past year to introduce Tyndall's chicken to consumers, the company is now launching a broader selection of its chicken products for consumers to enjoy at home via partnerships with online retailers Goodbelly and Plant X. The lineup includes nuggets, sandwich patties, tenders, popcorn patties, a schnitzel, and next month boneless wings.
1: Gold Valley is a, is a very interesting uh, call out there because we, um, we have leveraged Gold Valley to bridge that journey from the restaurants into the home uh, consumption. So in Gold Valley, we we're not simply selling our products uh, but we were actually bringing our products with other ingredients um, designed by chef a restaurant tours that can actually go and buy that recipe on, on, on his restaurant in this case. Chef Chad um, and that would be an amazing experience that you would have on a restaurant, but bringing it to the consumers at home. Um, that's the, the, the goat belly meal kit that we have since early um, this year. And right now we're moving to the next step, which is basically offering the products on their own with text. So things like the chicken wings, which are absolutely delicious, the tenders, the popcorn chicken, the nuggets, and the sandwich patty um, later. So those are things, those are products we're bringing, uh, starting now with four SKUs. So just repeating, the nuggets, the popcorn chicken, the, the tenders, and the chicken wings. Um, those are the ones that are readily available in, in Plantex right now. Um, and, you, you know, we are uh, ready to to have consumers around the U.S. ordering and getting delivered to their doorsteps uh Blentex is a very interesting case because uh we partnered with them um in their venice beach shop in la um uh, so we did a full takeover um june in june and it was like really full-on painted tindo we had the products on the on the shelf there and we wanted to see how the reaction would be so we really had tindo products on the shelf there since that uh, about june um and it was a massive success, and we've seen that the the audience uh, of Plantex, um, they really love thing Though they they love the fact that we have different form factors, that the product is delicious, but also that we do not use GMO ingredients, that the nutritional values are are great, um, and they, they understood they can have this great experience. So we decided to expand further and offer that to um, to their e-commerce. But we're obviously not going to stop there. We're going to expand into different channels, different. Uh, you know, both online as well as, as as brick and mortar, for sure.
0: As Tyndall moves into different retail channels, it is also expanding beyond chicken with its recent acquisition of Moi, which makes plant-based gelato, and plans to launch this year a plant-based sausage.
1: Uh, the sausage is a very interesting one, actually, because it's the first product developed in the U.S. with U.S. ingredients and uh, produced here in North America as well for the US market. So that's a very interesting one. Uh, that's uh, it's a breakfast sausage that we're gonna announce very soon more details about it. Um, and we're very proud of that product. There will be more, uh, so from the, the chicken side, I guess that would be the, the most relevant uh, launch we'll be talking very soon. And then on the dairy side would be the line of milks. So uh, we're gonna have a, a milk, um, Primarily um, oat-based milk. Um, That's going to be a few versions, a few different versions. Flavored like chocolate, for example, um, and and then opposite, not um, just normal milk. Uh, Those will be coming very soon as well. We're going to announce those in more details very soon, uh, probably starting with Europe first. uh, But those will make it into the U.S. as well.
0: Tyndall's fast growth and R&D are possible in part because last year it secured one of the largest Series A funding rounds for a plant-based brand, including $100 million from investors including K3, MPL Ventures, Tamask, and GGV. But Menezes says the company is also able to stretch those dollars for a bigger impact by being capital efficient, a quality that he says is increasingly important as the economy tightens and as investors become more selective,
1: it's no secret that the capital markets for any any sectors really compressed, and for plant based that uh, that's obviously the case as well. And uh, from 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 our point of view, like our the way we designed our business since the beginning uh, was to be very capital efficient and very flexible, meaning we could be global but without having to park our capital under a construction building, for example, or buying trucks to be delivered, right? So a fully asset-like business. And as a reflection of that, we're able to, we're very capital efficient. The way we we use it, we basically use the, the only things we actually, you know, uh, even rent in this case, the facility, but we buy equipments for R&D, obviously. That's the only place where our capital is actually immobilized. Uh, and then, in this context bio yes it is an investment it's important but at the same time um our movement uh, our, our company is very capital efficient and we can um really with the fundraise that we had uh, early last year uh really run for a long time we did we did um, a few adjustments to uh last year to invest less for example like some markets we were planning to launch and we have uh, decided to postpone and and things like that just to make sure we have a longer runway to go through this phase of very high interest rates in which the capital is contracted um so we do not need to to raise anytime soon you asked about investors and um expectations and all i think there were investors luckily i don't think we have any or at least uh You know, not that I can think of, or not that I'm aware of. We don't have any investor that is uh, just riding that that, who were just riding a wave of trying to 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 quickly flip a company and an investment. Um, And the investors who are more long term oriented, I guess all of them um, still believe in the category as a long term drive. Obviously, there is a level of discomfort overall with. Um, you know what are the short-term tensions and what does it take to, to navigate through it? Um, but I guess the expectation right now is that we keep uh, keep growing and that we keep managing our resources in the most, on the wisest possible way. So we do not uh, find ourselves in a situation of needing liquidity in the market that has very high interest rates and low liquidity. I think that's the expectation right now uh, for us to be very business savvy and be very capital efficient and preserve Um, the cash that we have to make sure we can navigate the high interest rates and low liquidity uh, for the coming um, years.
0: Looking forward, Meneza says Tyndall will follow the same ethos to be a sustainable, efficient and smart business that delivers what consumers want and continue to grow. For the category at large, He reiterated his belief that the challenges facing plant-based protein are only a temporary stress that will dissipate as consumers learn more about the food system's impact on climate change and as products in the space improve. With that, we've reached the end of another episode of Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast. I hope that you'll join me again in the future for another installment, and to help you remember, I encourage you to subscribe. Until next time, this is Elizabeth Crawford wishing you a productive, profitable, and safe week.